Welcome back to Ratchet & Wrench Radio, strategies and inspiration for auto care success. I'm your host, Chris Jones, and today are Bill and Kaylin Walker of Walker's Garage in Brewer, Maine. If you recall, last year we did a profile story on the Walkers uh, because Bill's a solo operator. Uh, Kaylin now works in the office with him as his service advisor slash marketing person. But for the most part, you know, Bill's the one turning the wrenches and now he's got an update to his garage. So lots of exciting news happening out of Walker's Garage, but I want him to tell you his story. I feel like you guys can learn a lot from the story of a solo operator, kind of the work that he does, how he does it, the schedule he keeps, and then really Kaylin weaving her in, talking about how she helps him to market. Uh, if you've ever followed them on social media, uh, you'll see that they market like a big shop, and Kaylin's going to break down how they do that. So it's a really fun interview. Hope you enjoy it. Walker's Garage, Bill and Kaylin, here they are. Welcome to Ratchet and Radio, Bill and Kaylin. Hi, thank you for having us, Chris. Yes, thank you. Yeah, no, it's good to have you. So you guys are the owners of Walker's Garage in Brewer, Maine. Tell us your backstory. How'd you guys get into auto care? Uh, well, I've been doing it for, I don't know, 20, 22 years, something like that. Um, I say professionally for 20 years or so. Uh, I've always been interested in cars. And in high school, I had the opportunity to go to a vocational program um, for collision repair. Uh, and I figured, found out that I kind of had a knack for it. Um, so I decided, well, I guess this is what we want to do for the rest of my life. So I uh, went to college, uh, Northern Maine Technical College in Presque Isle, Maine. Uh, graduated in 2004, and I've been in the industry since. Uh, I worked in the auto body industry uh, for 17 years or so. Uh, I was a parts guy, technician, estimator, painter, kind of wore all the hats. Um, so I was able to kind of see all different parts of, of the industry there. Um, I also worked at a, uh, a salvage yard for a few years, worked at a transmission shop for a couple of years. Um, then I had the opportunity to work at a small independent shop that did mechanical work and collision work. And I was like, hey, you know, I can uh, you know, learn both sides of the trade. And here we are. Wow, that's that's quite a background there. Um, <laughs> man, you were you were you were primed for entrepreneurship, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um you know, I've, I've had people tell me, you know, I'm so pumped you opened up a shop. You've been talking about it forever. And I'm like, you know, quite frankly, I haven't talked to you for like 20 years. You know, so apparently I've been talking about it for a while, too, and didn't even realize it. Yeah, no doubt. So mechanical repair, collision repair, and then, of course, salvage yards, you do parts in that that aspect. So you've, you've seen it all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I will say work at the salvage yard really helped in the mechanical end of it because you got to take everything apart. So you know, half the half the battle is taking it apart. Uh, so if you take it apart successfully, then it makes it easier to put it back together. All right. And at what point did you realize you wanted to be a shop owner? Um, you know, I've always kind of dreamt of being my own boss. Uh, you know, it, it's it's kind of always been on the back burner, though. You know, we, we got a family, I got married, bought a house. So just kind of going through the motions of, uh, you know, working, paying the bills, you know, so on and so forth. Um, but when I worked at that independent shop, um, it was just me and the owner, and he, and he was my age. He was, I think he was a year older than me. And since I was working next to him, it's like I was able to see the in and out, the day and day, the day to day um, of you know owning the shop and kind of seeing what he did. And I'm like, you know what? I I think we can pull this off. Um, so the seed was kind of planted. Uh, so then fast forward to 2020, COVID hits. You know, the kids are at home. My priorities have changed. Um, and I'm like, you know, let's, uh, let's, let's start looking for a, for a location, you know, let's see if we can make this happen. I think I've got the, 
the knowledge and, and the experience behind me. So let's see what we can do. Um, in 2021, we found a location and I left a very stable and very well-paying job to open up shop. That's good stuff, man. I, I love I love when entrepreneurs say that, like the stable, well-paying, just to go for it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, I've, I've always said it's easier to get pushed off a cliff than to jump. But uh, I, I, I took the leap. I'm like, you know what? Let's get this done. Yeah, yeah. So being a solo operator, what are some of the challenges you faced in ownership? Um, I will say from, you know, the, the back of the house point of view, you know, it's like, oh, it's all you got to do is just fix cars and get paid easy enough, right? <laughs> um, so I, I realized that there's a lot more hats to wear than uh, just, you know, fixing cars and getting paid. Uh, so, you know, fixing cars, ordering parts, answering the phones, uh, but I'm also cleaning the bathroom and taking out the trash, balancing QuickBooks, uh, you know, not to mention taking care of the walk-ins and emails to respond to, vendors stopping in, wanting to sell you stuff, uh, updating clients, dealing with insurance companies, extended warranty companies, um, dealing with all of that's been, you know, eye-opening for sure. <laughs> No, no doubt. It must take a lot of discipline to manage your time that way. Like you said, you're, you're fixing cars at certain times of the day. You're probably on the phones at certain times during the day. You're probably cleaning at certain times of the day. Like, how do you manage your schedule? What does your schedule look like? Um, generally speaking, we like to, you know, we do our DVIs in the morning, um, you know, get our inspections done. We, we want to get those you know, inspections and, and estimates sent out as quickly as possible. Um, so usually first thing in the morning where cranking through our, our inspections. We usually do four or five appointments a day. Um, so get those estimates sent out so they can be authorized. And then we kind of, um, you know, do do the fill and stuff, the, the picking up, the cleaning um, as those authorization, authorizations come through. Um, but quite frankly, a lot of times um, the extra stuff gets done either before work, after work, um, or hours, uh, weekends, uh, makes it tough for, to, uh, for, for work-life balance. Uh, there's been a lot of late nights and a lot of missed suppers. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of you know, hours turned per week, I know uh, a lot of shops you know, shoot for that 40. Do you, do you get a chance to turn that many hours a week or what, what are you turning per week just to, to keep yourself going to keep the flow going? Um, generally speaking, I can, I want to say I average between 36 and 38 hours per week uh, myself. Um, fortunately, we were able to just hire hire on a new tech. We just uh, actually celebrated his 90 day uh, uh, anniversary yesterday. Um, so with with him on now, um, it makes it a little bit easier. But you know, I'm I'm still myself doing anywhere from 35 to 40 hours a week of work. You know, on top of the admin work that that uh, needs to be done. Yeah. Well, congratulations on the new tech. I know when I met you guys back in the spring, uh, you know. It was a, you guys were just by yourselves and now you've got a new tech. What was that process like for you looking for vetting and hiring your first technician? Uh, it was actually a super pleasant experience. I've heard a lot of, you know, I've read about a lot of nightmares of we can't find any help. There's no techs out there. Um, so we set up a, uh, uh, an ap application form online, um, you know, and, and we had, I think we had eight or nine, um, you know, people fill that out within the first like week or two. And I'm looking at, at Kaylin and I'm like, I was expecting one a month and that it would be six or eight months before we even think about hiring somebody. But we had a lot of people apply, which was fantastic. So we were able to, you know, 
we had two or three that we were like, you know, which one do we want to pick? Um, so I, I feel like we were extremely fortunate that we were able to, you know, make a decision based on what we think is best for our company as opposed to, you know, oh, well, this is the best warm body to have in that position. Oh, absolutely. That's when you have the ability to, you know, select or choose. I think that's always a big win Like you said, as opposed to just, okay, I've got one choice, maybe two. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so Kaylin, tell us about your involvement in the shop. What's your background and then how'd you get involved in helping build the shop? Great question. So I come from the medical field office and I previously worked and in the hospital's HR, um, department, like processing the behind the scenes of um, job transfers and whatnot. Um, so the automotive field has always kind of been the running background soundtrack of our life for the last 15 years, um, to be honest, with Bill working in the field and having him do side jobs in the garage, it's kind of always been intertwined in our life. Um, so it wasn't really a surprise when Bill came and he was like, hey, we're, we're going to do this. Um, so we've always talked about opening a shop and working at it together. Our goal when we first opened Walker's Garage was that I would come on after a year if everything went well and if our CPA approved. Um, but six months in, Bill waved the white flag and I joined him at the shop full time working in the office. Um, so I prim primarily take care of like all the emails, the walk-ins, marketing, social media, uh, sponsorships, billing, and just kind of keeping everything organized. And obviously like HR duties onboarding the, our newest employee as well. So what were some of the, the learning curves or some of the hurdles and challenges you had to get over to, to get you know, <laughs> your feet wet in the industry? Oh goodness. There's quite a few. Um, I think the biggest part is just um, so I come from obviously the medical field. I worked in a doctor's office and I'm used to, uh, patients coming in and out and their appointment is done that day. I really had to lower my expectations and really try to understand that that's really truly not the case always in auto repair. Um, people aren't coming in waiting for an hour and leaving and being done with their job. You know, there are sometimes where jobs carry over to the next day, or like if Bill's doing collision repair, that car might be here for one to two weeks. So really trying to understand that that is okay. And not everything has to be done within a couple hours. And that was a really hard thing for me to kind of get over um, when I entered the automotive field for sure is scheduling. So how are you enjoying it now? I absolutely love it. I'm typically a practical person, so it's really not lost on me that I ended up in an essential field. Um, I love being able to help people and to walk our clients through the automotive experience when they come through our doors. Um, and I've, I've just really loved everything about the industry so far. And you get to work with good, me. Good. And I get to work with my best friend. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So I guess for you, like, you know, being on the phones is second nature, like customer service via the phone as an advisor type role is pretty, pretty good for you then, huh? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Bill, talk to us about some of the triumphs now. I mean, of course, you know, we talked about, you know, you hiring a new tech, but what have been some of the big wins for you this year, you know, in your shop? Um, well, I mean, generally speaking, one of the, one of wins that I consider fantastic is the fact that we've been open for two years, well, two years plus now. 
Um, I think it's fantastic. I know a lot of people say, you know, your first couple of years being in business are going to make you or break you. Um, we know we've got nothing but increases from from here on out so far. So um, that's a big win for us. Um, you know, being able to get into the get involved with the community events and sponsorships with local schools and rec departments. Um, we love doing stuff like that for for the kids. We sponsor t-ball teams and um, you know football flag football teams, and we do festivals and and all this stuff. Um, a lot of times we actually have people reaching out to us, you know, hey, we're doing this festival or we're, you know, we're doing this uh, toy drive or we're doing this whatever. And they're calling us and, you know, oh, we, we saw you at this particular event, you know, wondering if you'd be interested in this as well, which I think is fantastic because uh, giving is a real big part of, uh, you know, what we like to do around here. We want to be able to, to help our community as much as we can. Um, and we also were able to... Um, attend our first uh, big conference last March, uh, uh, which was Vision in Kansas City, um, which is where we met you, which is fantastic. Um, and we also just got back from training in uh, North Carolina. We went to ASTE a couple months ago. Um, so to be able to to do those things uh, is 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 phenomenal. There's a lot of shops around that uh, they, they don't have training like that in their um, repertoire. So uh, to be able to do that stuff is uh, is awesome. Yeah, that's well. That's difficult for some larger shops to be able to shut their doors and to do training, you know, with their team. Like for a small shop like yours, like what are some of the costs that you have to count? Like you have to account for when you close your shop to go to a Vision or to an ASTE. Um, well, I mean, the, the big thing is the lost revenue. That's that's the first thing I always thought of. It's like, oh, we got to close. So not only do we have to pay for tickets to fly down there, we have to pay for hotels. Um, you're eating out three times a day at least. Um, that on top of the tuition for all your different classes, uh, obviously you've got to get some merch while you're there. There's always a vendor tool show. Um, so, you know, you always end up spending a bunch of money there as well. Um, so not only does it cost money to, to, you know, go to these things, but then we're also not making any money either. Uh, so it, it takes a lot of planning, a lot of scheduling. Um, and, you know, that, that's kind of the biggest thing that stands out for me to, you know, to, to close down and, and to head out. Um, but it's the return on investment is, you know, amazing. You know, we, we might have been closed down for four or five days, uh, but what we gained in knowledge and and tooling um, has you know, tenfold been fantastic. Um, we were we actually invested in a shop management system that we you know, we demoed when we were at Vision. Um, nobody around has it and our clients absolutely love it. You know, it implemented DVIs, uh, which we call digital vehicle health reports. Um, and we have just everybody has been absolutely loving that uh, that program. Yeah. Talk about some of the lessons that you've taken away from, you know, closing the shop, going to conferences, getting knowledge, meeting, you know, hanging with other shop owners and then bringing that back to your shop. What are what are some things that have been that ROI for you? Uh, the, the people you meet down there, I think, is um, one of one of the biggest reasons um, that that we want to go. I mean, obviously, the training is fantastic. Um, you know, it's it's all the best teachers, the best every, everything from across the entire country. Um, and but but then after classes, you're also sitting around tables and, and hanging out with um, with people that have been in our position and you, you can just talk with them and they will just you can talk numbers. You know, there's no filters. You, you, you talk about this is what's going on. You can get advice. Um, we, we we've, like I said, we've met up with you. So here we are talking with a magazine. I never thought we'd be doing anything like this. We've got another um, person that we 
have been talking with, uh, I believe he's in Kansas City, um, has a shop and he's, you know, we've been emailing back and forth over the last year of, you know, hey, I'm just checking in, you know, how are things going? What questions do you have? Um, and it, you know, it's, it's free advice and, and they absolutely love giving it. Awesome. So what are your goals as an owner? Like, you know, I know you talked about, you know, you're growing now. Do you have plans to expand? What are some of the things that you're, you know, that are kind of going through your mind right now in terms of like the future? Uh, we absolutely plan to expand. Um, our, our shop is pretty small. Um, it's only about 1400 square feet. You know, we've got one two post lift and we've got one small portable scissor lift. Um, so, you know, we outgrew this, this space, you know, probably six months in. Um, you know, so fortunately that it's a great problem to have. Um, we'd love to have a bigger shop. Um, we, we are looking just a matter of the right place opening up. Um, there's not a whole lot of inventory in, in the area we're looking for, but we are aggressively looking, but patiently waiting for the right place to open up. Um, you know, we want to hire a couple more techs, but we'd like to, you know, have another service advisor, um, for me to be able to step away for, you know, a couple hours during the day, if I wanted to go to the gym or, you know, if, you know, to be able to meet up with local shop owners for lunch, you know, or whatever, uh, but still have everything, you know, going smoothly in the shop. That's kind of uh, what I would like to have, um, you know, moving forward. Um, we want to be able to give the best client experience possible. So if we have more lifts, more bays, more guys, um, we can turn more cars um, and that will make everybody happy. Okay. And how big is the shop now? Uh, so it's 1400 square feet, including the office. So, you know, we've only got, you know, probably 1200 square feet of, uh, you know, space to work. Uh, and that all, like I said, that also includes, you know, we've got all of our equipment in here, tire machine and, and, uh, balancer and air compressor and part storage and all of that. So it, it's, it's, it's pretty small. You know, we've got one door, one big overhead door. Um, so it's, we don't have a whole lot of room to move. Uh, so the quicker we find a bigger building, the, the happier we're all going to be. <laughs> right on. And about how many, about how many cars are you servicing in a given month? Um, let's see. In a month, we do anywhere between 80 and 90 cars a month. Okay. And I know you guys are doing collision repair as well as general. Do you specialize in anything or is it just all general repair? Um, pretty much just general repair. Um, you know, we, we don't do any heavy line stuff. Um, you know, we, I feel like we excel with, you know, your normal maintenance stuff, brakes and struts and exhaust. We do have state inspection laws. And so, um, you know, things need to pass and people are constantly needing, you know, state inspection stuff done. Um, we're in the rust belt. So corrosion is kind of an issue um, up here. So we kind of stay out of the heavy line stuff and, and hang out more in the, you know, general maintenance, uh, keep your car safe on the road sort of stuff. Um, you know, going into the new year, I think we're going to hold off on doing collision repair uh, just because with with space constraints, time restraints, we feel like we can serve our mechanical customers better um, by not having, you know, the, the collision work stuff going on just because, you know, it takes up a lot of room. The parts take up a lot of room um, and then, then just the time it takes to, you know, go from the car being smashed up to it being done. Um, so we, we're going to kind of focus more on, on the general repair stuff so we can, um, make sure our clients get the best experience possible. Oh, so you're going to completely phase out collision next year, you think? Yeah, for now anyway, I mean, you know, I'd love to be able to offer it later on once we're in a bigger building. Uh, but I feel like the collision work kind of gets done after hours and on weekends and I'm 
you know, trying to trying to maintain a, a work life balance. So, um, like I said, we're probably going to hold off on the collision repair for a while. Again, I would love to be able to offer it later on down the road, but we'll uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. All right. Now, Kaylin, you know, you guys are running the social media like a big shop. Like I follow you guys and look at the stuff you guys are doing. Like, you know, how did you guys find your brand voice? And like, you know, what's your what's your just mindset behind your social media accounts? She runs she runs that social media like a boss. Oh, she does. She absolutely does. I'm like, man, this is like run like a big shop. Dude, it's amazing. Well, how much time do you have? Breakfast? <laughs> Uh, but thank you. That honestly really means a lot to hear because that's exactly what my goal was. Um, to be honest, it has been a lot of trial and error. When we first opened, we knew that we wanted to create a space where it didn't feel like a typical auto repair shop, right? So I made it a point to design our guest area to be very welcoming, like bright white walls, clean, updated decor that was not automotive focused, um, just to create a really cozy and relaxing feeling. We have a lot of people that walk in and they think that they're in the wrong spot because it doesn't look like a typical auto repair shop, which I love to hear because that was my goal. Um, when I first started our marketing on social media though, cause I don't really have much experience in it. I kind of just threw a bunch of stuff out there and hope that something would stick. But I will say like over time, we've really tried to dial in on who our ideal client is, what they want, what are their problems and how can we help them? I think at the end of the day, people, and I think you may agree, uh, they just want connection. They want to be entertained and they want to know that they can trust you, especially in a day and age where everything and everyone is online. People do not want to be sold to. I know I don't want to be sold to when I'm scrolling on social media. It's super fatiguing on both the consumer end, but also on the business end. It's a lot of pressure to be putting out all of those ads every single day. Um, I do make it a point to only put about 20% um, of information on our page talking about our repair services. And then the rest is focused heavily on like the client needs. What are we doing that is different behind the scene videos, TikTok videos, sh funny shop stuff, um, but no memes, <laughs> uh, community events. And yeah, it's been awesome. I will say though, there's, if there's one marketing tip that I would love to give is making sure that your brand voice matches what the client is experiencing at your shop. I know chat GPT is a super hot topic right now, and I have a love hate relationship with it. Um, but if all of your posts are created by AI and the language in your copy, like on your social media pages is different from how you actually speak to your clients, when that client comes in and they're expecting a certain persona and they experience something totally different with you, it can and will, and I've experienced this, it leaves them feeling, you know, sort of bamboozled, right? And then they're questioning, well, what else is not as it seems? Like stock photos, for instance, like if you're constantly posting photos of stock images and that everyone else is using um, of this clean, pristine, like tooled up shop, and they come in and it's super dirty, unorganized, um, that level of trust is broken. So my tip is no stock images. And we really, really try hard to only use photos like of our shop and our marketing. And I think that really resonates with our clients. And we've gotten a ton of great feedback on that. So that's what's worked for us. We're still a work in progress, obviously. And that will, you know, um, change over time as we get bigger and, you know, add more services and whatnot. But 
that's what has worked for us so far. And how, how did you come to realize what your brand voice was? I think a lot of just talking with our clients when they come in, like if when I'm cashing out clients, I'm not afraid to ask them like, so where are you hanging out online? Are you on Instagram? Are you doing TikTok? Like, what do you do? You follow us on Facebook? Like, what is what are things that you like to see? And so I'll just jot them down in a notepad. Um, so that's been honestly super helpful. Just going to the source. People want to see you succeed and they love giving their opinions. So and I love hearing them. Um, so that's been super helpful is just talking to your clients and seeing what they want. Yeah. Like I said, you guys do a remarkable job <laughs> with your social media. So, <laughs> and so Bill, and I'm not sure which one of you guys was responsible for the logo. I love the logo. Like, tell me about, you know, how you guys came up with the, the branding. That's all that, that is all Kaylin, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> So I did design that. Um, I went with the blue color. I feel like the dark blue has always been kind of part of our lives. Like it was our wedding color and it's the color of our garage at our home. And when I see dark blue, like I kind of feel like that gives off like a professional and like friendly and like trusting vibe. So we, we definitely knew that we wanted to use like a dark blue in our marketing um, and then with the text, like that lockers, it's nice and bold. And I wanted a text that was friendly because I wanted to convey that. And then like the garage font to me feels a little old school, which I think that's where Bill comes in because he's very, you know, straight to the point. He's super honest. Um, so try to like marrying those two parts of ourselves into the logo is kind of you know, how we came up or how I came up with that. Yeah, I was going to say, we didn't come up with it. He <laughs> <laughs> did do the final approval when I, yep. when we set the sign, sign designs in. Yeah, I mean, well, you're definitely right. I mean, the color blue, like in color psychology is, conveys trust, like blue and tan, like the two trust colors. So you definitely nailed that. <laughs> so, so Bill, what would you say is the best advice you've gotten as a shop owner? Um, I would have to say... You can't do everything for everyone. Um, you know, only offer services that you can do with 100% confidence. There's there's a lot of pride in this field. You know, everybody wants to be the hero. Um, but quite frankly, I've got myself into some some binds, and it's like if if I had just said no, this is you know there are people that specialize in this stuff. Let them do their job. Um, then send it send it to them. You know and so what we've you know started focusing on is you know this this is what we do the best so this is what we want to do and i've i've gotten a lot better about you know taking the you know the the pride out of it and saying you know um hey this this is kind of not necessarily out of our wheelhouse because i can physically do it i can do anything uh but can we do it efficiently and confidently i want to make sure that's 100 percent. i want to look my client in the eye when i hand them their keys and say this thing is perfect you're all set, head to California, head to Texas, head to wherever you're you're going, there will be zero problems. Um, I always say I fix it like my kids are in it. So if I'm not 100% confident with a repair, I don't want you in it. Um, so I would definitely have to say, you know, you're not gonna be able to fix everything. So, um, you know, only fix what you're 100% confident in doing. All right, and Kaylin, what about you? Like, what's, what's some service advice you'd like you'd like to pass on? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, my biggest thing is do not compare yourself to other shops around you. And this has been probably one of the biggest things that it that we've had to work on and it's taken a long time a long time to understand why this is so important you shouldn't compare where you're at in your shop to you know in your shop ownership journey to others because you shouldn't be making decisions for your shop based on what other shops are doing or charging that's a big one you have absolutely no idea if they are being profitable if they have happy employees or what's going on behind the scenes for me i personally try not to follow any other auto shops on social media not because I'm not supportive, I obviously am very supportive of this industry, but it can be super distracting. And honestly, it can make you feel like you're second guessing every single decision you make. Um, the only time I will look at other shops is not to find out like what they are doing, but to figure out what they aren't doing um, that perhaps that we can implement in our shop. Very good. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having us, Chris. Yeah, we appreciate it big time. This was so fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was great to hear about your shop, you know, the how you guys have kind of built this thing and looking forward to seeing what you guys do in the future. Absolutely. Will we see you at Vision? Absolutely. I'll see you there. Awesome. Perfect. Can't wait to see you again. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Thank you. And that's going to do it for us here today at Ratchet & Wrench Radio. Uh, I'd like to invite you to follow us on our social media channels on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, as well as subscribe to our email newsletter, which goes out daily. Uh, and you can find that at ratchetandwrench.com. That's R-A-T-C-H-E-T-A-N-D-W-R-E-N-C-H.com. And may the rest of your day be the best of your day. And we'll see you next week.